If you're willing and able, let's stand as we reverence and honor God's Word this morning. Matthew chapter number 17. I've never preached this message. I'm not sure I've really got it in my mind and my heart like I want it, but I can't get away from it. So, Brother Price, this is what we're going with today. Matthew chapter number 17, and I want to read verse 14 through 21. Matthew 17, verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. In other words, he has some form of epilepsy. He has seizures. And sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire, and oft into the water. I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. In other words, they couldn't heal him. They couldn't do anything for him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless or unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I, <coughs> excuse me, shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil. He's demon possessed. And he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Excuse me, why could we not cast him out? And this is my text this morning. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If I love the ifs in the Bible, I could preach a series on that little word if. There's a lot of them. If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And this phrase leaped the page of the Bible into my heart, and I trust that it will yours this morning. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Wow. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Father, I pray you'd bless the message. The messenger needs a, an anointing from heaven this morning to, to share with these thy people what you've laid on my heart. You know the needs of everybody here today. I believe the need of the hour is mountain-moving faith. God, I pray you speak to our hearts. Lord, should there be one under the sound of my voice this morning that's not saved, I pray the Spirit of the living God fall fresh on them and draw them to a saving knowledge of you before it's everlasting too late. I pray your blessings upon this ministry. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to visit today and to share God, I pray week in, week out that you'd bless their ministry. Bless Brother Jimmy. God, I pray that you'd anoint him. I pray that you'd bless him. I pray that you'd strengthen him, meet every need that he has as he leads this flock 
And we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. <clears throat> Verse number 14 says that when they were come to the multitude, this passage of Scripture and all three of the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, follows the transfiguration of Jesus. The transfiguration was a time when Jesus put, uh, I'm sorry, when Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him on top of this mountain and they saw, as it were, his glory. He was transfigured before them. The time came that they came off of that mountain. They came back to the valley where the other nine disciples were and there was a discussion going on. As a matter of fact, I believe it's either Mark or Luke indicates that the scribes were questioning the disciples. And I wrote this down. While three disciples enjoyed the splendor of the transfigured Christ on the mountain, nine others experienced defeat in the valley. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've been there where some around me were on a mountaintop and they were experiencing victory and I was in the valley of defeat. I've been more in the valley of defeat than I have been on the mountaintop. Can I get a witness this morning? And so I begin to study this passage of Scripture and believe with all of my heart that Jesus used this episode to teach the disciples and ultimately to teach us an important lesson on the necessity of faith. I want to give you three things. Number one, I want us to look at the malady of the mountain. In other words, the difficulty of this mountain. Now I ask myself the question, what mountain is Jesus referring to in verse number 20? Because Jesus said that if, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, now follow me, stay with me. I begin to ask myself the question, what mountain is Jesus referring to? Is he referring to the mountain he just came off of? <laughs> Or is he referring to the difficulty this father's got with this demon-possessed son? <laughs> or both? Now, first of all, I would submit to you this morning that I don't believe Jesus was talking about moving a literal mountain. You need to know that there are some people who claim to be people of faith who literally believe in the name it and claim it philosophy and that you can just speak it and it'll be done. There is a Greek word for that and I'm going to give you that Greek word this morning and it is baloney. <laughs> in other words, that's just not so. And, it began to, and I asked myself the question, why? Why is that not true? And when you study the Bible, listen very carefully, Jesus never did that and He had all power. And He never moved a literal mountain when He could have. 
nor anyone in the history of the church ever moved a literal mountain. Even though they were endued with powers, I'm going to show you in just a moment to do such a thing. For crying out loud, if I could say that, Paul had the power to raise the dead. You remember the fellow who fell asleep and fell out of the window while Paul was preaching. He was dead and Paul went over there and raised him from the dead. But no disciple is ever recorded in the Bible as having moved a literal mountain. So I want you to listen to a commentator by the name of William Barclay. He said, Jesus never meant this to be taken physically and literally. After all, the ordinary man seldom finds any necessity to remove a mountain. What he meant was, if you have faith enough, all difficulties can be solved and even the hardest task can be accomplished. Faith in God is the instrument that allows men to remove the hills of difficulty which block their path. Come up close and listen. You have a hill of difficulty that is blocking your path this morning. I have a hill of difficulty that oftentimes blocks my path. What was the hill of difficulty, if you will, the mountain that this father faced in this valley was this epileptic son. All of our difficulties would differ this morning, but I could put all of them under two categories. Number one, we have inward difficulties. We have outward difficulties. Now, the inward's harder to see. Um, you, you might could see something that's going on in my life that's portrayed outside, but it's not always easy to see what's going on on the inside. But all of us have those things either inwardly or outwardly that are difficulties for us. Now, come up close and listen again. I've been preaching a long time, but even I've had the assumption that sometime or another things ought to get better. <laughs> and they may for a while... But ultimately, they go right back to the way they were. Difficulty after difficulty. Friend, that's just life. That's life. We're under a curse, and we're not going to be out from under this curse until we get to heaven. Say amen. amen. So I've been contemplating, what was this mountain? What was up on that mountain? And I love of all these, uh, all, all the ones I've studied after, I love the way Adrian Rogers puts it the best. What was up on this mountain? When Jesus comes down off this mountain and sees the despair of the disciples in the valley of what they could not do, which by the way, I'll get there in a moment, they should have been able to do. I stop right there and preach a while because we're not doing some things we should be able to be doing. Jesus said, if you say to this matter, remove against the honor place, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can do that. The glory of God was on that mountaintop. And what Dr. Rogers said, and I see it today, that 
you got to get that mountain out of the way and get heaven down on earth. <laughs> get heaven down on earth. Get rid of the mountain and bring the glory of God that's on the mountain down into your valley. And friend, as I've walked this Christian journey of faith for five decades now, I can tell you that that's where the problem is. We don't take the glory of God down into the deepest, darkest valley where the, where the battle is really raging and where the battle is really being fought. By the way, they didn't stay on that mountain. Peter tried to get them to stay on that mountain. But there's work to be done in the valley. The glory is on the mountaintop. And I believe what Jesus is saying, you need to get the mountain out of the way and you need to get the glory on the mountain down in the valley. Number two, we not only see the malady of the mountain, but we see mistakes in moving the mountain. Now, I alluded to this just a moment ago. I believe that the disciples should have been able to cast out this demon. Why? They had done it before. They were empowered to do it. Don't turn there, just listen. Matthew chapter number 10 says, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. But literally, what had happened is that they had lost their power. I'm already preaching better than your amen. <laughs> sometimes we can lose our power and they asked Jesus the question why couldn't we cast him out and I believe with all of my heart one of the reasons they're asking that question is is because they know they should have been able to do that because of the power he gave them in other words the disciples were asking why did we fail this time Church, I believe that's the question we need to be asking ourselves. Why couldn't we do this? Why did we fail this time? Well, I love it because Jesus answers their question. He says it's because of your unbelief. It's because of your lack of faith. It's because the littleness of your faith or the meagerness of your faith. Now, Please understand where I'm coming from this morning. They, they are not devoid of faith. They have faith. <laughs> it, it helps me to understand it when I put it this way. It's just not working faith. Their faith is not working. Their faith is not functioning properly. And see, when you study faith in the Bible, you need to know and understand that there are times in your life, there are times in my life when faith can either be strong or faith can either be weak. Just, just take a reference Bible, if you will. I, I, I'm, I'm confident even to say you could probably Google this and find the answer. <laughs> That, that there are times in the Bible where faith is strong and times where faith is weak. And Jesus oftentimes said, Oh, ye of... See, you, you don't even have to Google it, you know. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. I wrote three things down. We too make mistakes in moving out mountains. 
for three reasons. Number, a lot of times we like to escape. <laughs> you know, boy, I, I, I wish I could do this, but, but I mean, a problem just go away if I just didn't pay any attention to it. <laughs> Uh, my, I wish my wife could be with me, bless her heart, but she, she's got an ear for, she, she, she wouldn't know what to do under the hood of a car if her life depended on it. But she knows when something's not right. God's given her that gift. And I love to do this to her, and I do it quite frequently. Not as much of late when we've been able to drive newer cars, you know. Boy, boy when we first got married, we'd drive those old jalopies, and they's always breaking down. What's that noise? <laughs> I just reach over there and turn up the radio. Honey, I don't hear a noise. <laughs> well, guess what? <laughs> the noise didn't go away because of me wanting to avoid it, to escape the problem. Now, that's a minor thing. There are some serious problems, and, and you can't escape those problems. You can't say, hey, yeah, you know, it's like going on vacation. Well, let's go to the mountains on vacation. Well, guess what? When you come home, there's still the problems. We sometimes like to escape the mountain. Sometimes we like to magnify the mountain. And I wonder if this is not where this phrase comes from. We make a mountain out of a... See, you don't even have to Google that either. You know that too. We make a mountain out of a molehill, and how good are we at magnifying the problem? <laughs> I remember, I probably shouldn't give you this illustration, but it doesn't start us, so I believe it will. I remember we was having a particular problem at one of the churches I was pastoring, so the deacons wanted to meet with me right before church. I don't, don't do that. Don't do Brother Jimmy that way. If you've got a problem, hold it till after church. <laughs> They wanted to meet with me before church, and one of, one of my men said, Preacher, my phone has been ringing off the hook this afternoon. I was surprised. I was smart enough to even say this, if you knew me. But I turned to him, and I said, Sir, I said, can, can, can you put a number? I mean, it doesn't matter. Just give me a number as to how many different people have called you about this problem. You know what it was, Brother Jimmy? One. But they kept calling him. I mean, he could have said 25 times, but it's just one person calling. You see, he had magnified the problem. It wasn't near as big a problem as he, as he made it out to be. Don't we do that sometimes? We magnify the problem. We try to escape the mountain, or we try to climb the mountain. <laughs> and this is what the disciples were trying to do. Why couldn't we catch them out? They were trying to climb on top of the mountain and get on top of things themselves and try to do it. That's why they failed because they tried to do it in their own strength. But the best part of the outline that I want to share you this morning, share with you this morning is the mastery of the mountains. Jesus said to them, if you had faith, if you had had faith, as small as a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds, he said, you could have done this. But, but you didn't even have a small amount of faith. Don't you think about why did our Lord say that faith is like a grain of mustard seed when I just indicated that the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds? I love this. One writer said, this is a David and Goliath experience. <laughs> 
This is a David and Goliath experience. A mustard seed faith took a pebble in a slingshot and murdered a giant and brought him down. It wasn't that pebble. It wasn't that sling. It wasn't David. It was God that did that through David. And if your mountains are going to be moved, it's not you. It's God through you. I wrote down not only the smallness of the seed, but the source of the seed. Did you know you could travel just a few miles from here and you could get a PhD from some of the top universities in the country and you're still not going to be able to manufacture a mountain? Bulldozers can mound up a mountain, but you cannot manufacture or synthesize a seed. Why? Because there's one ingredient that a seed has that you cannot manufacture, and that is life. A seed has one ingredient that makes it absolutely necessary, and that is the life in that seed, and only God can give that life in that seed and only God can give you the faith that you need to move your difficulty. Now, let me ask you this question. What is a seed for? Not a museum. A seed was given to be planted. I've pastored and this, is, this blows my mind because I couldn't grow a garden if my life depended on it. But maybe some of you here can identify with what I'm feeling. I've, I've pastored people who have had gardens. They have, they have grown peas off of seeds that they have had for years. I just find that amazing to me. Uh, but there's life in the seed. And so they'll plant those seeds. They'll harvest the uh, the crop from the garden, and they'll set aside seed for next year's garden. You can't manufacture that kind of stuff. You can't go to Walmart and get that. How ridiculous if the farmers can't farm, we'll just go to Walmart and get our groceries. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Say amen. You've been watching Fox News, you'd know. <laughs> hey, let me get back on my sermon here. <laughs> Listen, listen, let's think about breath and air for just a moment. Breath, air is a gift from God. Our bodies have lungs and, and God gives us lungs. But, but you can smother if you want to. God's not going to do your breathing for you. Even though He's given you life, He's put the seed in you. It is a gift of God. So Jesus said, if you have faith, even though it is a small faith, the size of a mustard seed, faith is supernatural. Faith, by Christ's definition, always involves surrender to the will of God. So he was saying that both the source and the object of all genuine faith, even the weak mustard variety of faith, is God. Now I've preached all of this to get to this phrase that leapt off, leapt, leap, came off the pages of the Bible into my heart. I'm trying to say leap, leap, whatever, however you say it. Nothing shall be impossible for you. My sister-in-law for years have, has given me a desk calendar 
she used to be pretty crafty with it. Don't tell her I told you this, but she used to be pretty crafty with it because one year she'd get me a calendar of jokes, and I love those. And then the next year she'd get me a serious one, you know, quotes and scriptures and things of that nature, and I loved that. And I mean, it was like clockwork there for a long time. I knew this was the year to get this particular kind of calendar. Well, now she's got so old she can't remember what she got me last year. <laughs> and I tease her about it. But I know I'm getting a desk calendar from my sister-in-law for Christmas. Now, I put them on my, cal- uh, on my desk January 1, and I flip those bad boys when I go in my office first thing every morning. And basically, listen to me, this is where this sermon came from. I went to that calendar and I wrote the date down, February the 6th. That's how long this sermon's been burning my heart. The calendar for, De- uh, for February the 6th said this, Sea faith is elastic and stretchy. And no matter what you're going through, it grows to whatever size you need it to be. So it's okay to ask for the impossible. Brother Jimmy, I had a revival in that office right by myself. I had church right there in the office right by myself. As the Lord spoke to my heart, And I started thinking about it's okay to ask for what's impossible. And I stood there thinking, I don't even think I'd sit down in my chair. I stood there thinking, you know what? I got some things that are impossible that I need to be asking for. And I started thinking about that little word impossible and I turned to my computer and I got up my Bible software and I looked at Luke 137 which says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. You study the context of that passage of Scripture, how the Holy Ghost came on Mary and a virgin gave birth to the Son of God. Go to Matthew 21 which is the parallel passage of this when Jesus cursed the fig tree. The disciples came back the next day, didn't see any figs on that tree, and here's what happened. Jesus said, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but ye but also if ye shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done, and all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing. Finish it out ye shall receive. So church, what am I telling you this morning? I'm telling you I don't have great faith all the time. But I am telling you I've got a great God. Mm, I believe I could fly home right now and not even drive. (laughs) Sometimes my faith is very weak. But it's not dependent on my faith. Faith. My weak faith. Even weak faith will move a mountain. Well, glory to God. <laughs> I said even a weak faith can move a mountain because the object's not my faith. The object's God. And I was, I was saying, Lord, how can I, how can I close this message? Because I know that's, that's what most folks is interested in the sermon, amen, to close. <laughs> I've been preaching long enough to know that. And so I was doing a little bit of research in my office and study materials I have. 
An author by the name of Stuart Briscoe said, Faith is only as valid as its object. And I love this illustration he gave. He said, You could have tremendous faith in very thin eyes and drown. <laughs> or you could have very little faith and very thick eyes and be perfectly secure. Suppose someone asks you to take a ride in his single-engine plane. You politely decline. Why, the pilot says. Well, you respond, you've heard that the plane has a history of mechanical problems and you don't have confidence in its safety. The pilot assures you that he fearlessly entrusts his life to whenever he flies. <laughs> you politely, well, I'm glad you feel that way, but I, I'm still not going to fly with you. The illustration goes on a few weeks later, the plane crashes and the pilot is killed. An investigation shows that the engine was faulty. You see, the point of all that is the pilot had strong faith. Listen very carefully. He had strong faith. He said, I put my life in the hands of this engine. That's bold. That's strong faith. That's confidence with a capital C. But the plane still went down and he died because his faith was in a faulty object. And he, I wrote this down after reading that illustration. Many of us who are sincere Christians worry that our faith seems too small. But we need to distinguish between the size of our faith and the object of our faith. Because we've learned from the Word today, even small mustard-sized seed faith can move mountains. 